0: First Generation Burden, a series of conversations with immigrants and the children of immigrants. My name is Rich Too, and I'm your host. So this is a very special episode. This is the first live version of First Generation, which we called First Generation Conversation. The event was held a couple of weeks ago to a sold-out, crowded purpose, an agency here in New York that specializes in social impact initiatives, and they do a lot of great work. It was also produced by AIGA New York, american institute of graphic arts for those of you who don't know it's a great organization i've spoken about here before specifically in episode 13 uh, which was ida woldemichael's and in full transparency i'm currently on that board of directors and i was very lucky uh, very very lucky to have their support for this because they connected a lot of the dots and made this happen This episode features two familiar faces, or voices rather, and a brand new guest. We start with Eugenia Mello, a great illustrator who hails from Buenos Aires, Argentina, and a lot of other locations, as you'll soon hear. We talk about her early years, growing up and moving around to different countries, her art, and also her recent gold medal award with the Society of Illustrators. We also get to catch up with Kelly Shammy, who was on episode 15. And uh, she's from New Jersey, as fans will remember, but her family hails from Syria and Lebanon. We also close out with Zepang Zhu from China, who brings the energy as usual, and you might remember him from episode 10. It was really great to catch up with all of them. Uh, it was a really fun crowd, too. And I think we all took something away really special because the the energy was electric and also the the conversation was amazing. Uh, so I hope you guys really, really like this one. I know that I'm very proud of it. I think everyone involved is very proud of it. So with that said, I'm going to get out of the way now and I'll let my past self begin the show. Is everyone excited? I don't feel like there's no one here. Is anyone excited? Awesome. Cool, well, thanks for coming, everybody. Um, So welcome to First Generation Conversation. Um, Does anyone familiar with the podcast at all? Just feel free to raise your hands. Oh, wow, a bunch of you. Great, that's awesome. Um, So welcome to First Generation Conversation. It's a live version, version of First Generation Burden, it's a podcast about immigrants and the children of immigrants, usually within the creative space. Uh, my name is Rich Too, and I'm your host. Uh, I'm also an illustrator, designer. Um, currently, I'm a VP of brand design at MTV, a little uh, independent network. Um, but, uh, and also, I'm on the board of directors at uh, AIGA New York. But that's enough about me, and I'm going to stop talking about myself officially now. Um, but first, I do want to thank a few people. So first, I want to thank Purpose. Give a big round of applause for Purpose. This amazing space and this amazing agency which has given us this space to have this great event. So uh, they have been extremely generous with their time and their space. So we, will, we love them and appreciate them. Um, also, I want to thank AIGA New York. Big round of applause for AIGA New York. Um, and also the AIGA New York board. Any board members here want to raise your hands? David, I see David, I see Carly. I know Koi's around here, Koi Bounce, I know Julia's around here too. Um, so I um, also want to thank uh, Stacy, Stacy Panasopoulos, our executive director. Without her, none of this could happen. Um, also, um, I see Andrew Maruska here from DesGen. Um, I want to thank Andrew. Big round of applause for Jin. Andrew and his team over at desgin they've been amazing with helping the podcast really exist on planet Earth. So without those guys, we wouldn't really be here today. So thanks, thank you for uh, Andrew and your contributions too. So I just wanna talk a little bit about our format today. This is gonna be a little bit like a talk show, okay? It's gonna, um, we're going to go through all of our guests one-on-one. It's gonna be a nice little chitty chat conversation. And then we're gonna bring them all back up for panel discussion at the end. All right, so it's a little bit like a podcast, a little bit like a talk show, and a little bit like, uh, like something that professionals would put on, okay? How does that sound, is that good? Great. Yeah. Right. how am I doing for time? Oh, I'm already two minutes ahead, love it, cool. All right, so without further ado, I want to bring up our first guest and also new to the podcast. Her name is Eugenia Mello. Um, hold your round of applause. There's a lot of amazing things that she's done and want to talk about. Eugenia is an illustrator and graphic designer uh, from Buenos Aires, Argentina, currently living and drawing in New York City. She holds an MFA in illustration and visual essay from the School of Visual Arts, also the program that I came from. We'll talk a little bit about that. And also she recently was awarded a gold medal from the Society of Illustrators, which is amazing, uh, for her illustrated uh, moving piece, Hope for the Day. So let's give it all, let's give Eugenia a huge round of applause. Hi, Rich.
1: <laughs>
0: Hey, Eugenia, how's it going?
1: Good, thank you. Thank cool. you for having me.
0: <laughs> Can you hear us just fine? Are we all good? I know in the nosebleeds, are we okay? Okay. If, if anyone needs us to enunciate, don't hesitate to just say, talk louder. Cool? That'll, that'll be a corrective for us. All right, so thank you for coming today. Thank um, you. Tell us a little bit about where you're from and a little bit about your history, and I'd love to start there.
1: Okay, so I am from uh, Argentina. I was actually born in Peru, but I say I'm from Argentina. That's mm-hmm. where my family's from. That's where I went to undergrad. That's what you call it here. Um, <laughs> and I spent um, 10 years there for after high school. Before that, I moved around. I'm going in the wrong direction, <laughs> timeline <laughs> wise. Um, no, it's fine. I moved a lot when I was a kid, and then I ended up in Argentina. I did undergrad, and then here.
0: Gotcha. So, uh, where did you go to undergrad?
1: To this very incredible university that's really huge 60,000 students, um, public university. It's called University of
0: Buenos Aires oh wow yeah so I want to backtrack just a little bit I, I started with the undergrad thing just like a little too soon so um, I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about your your early days within creativity what it was like growing up in Peru and Argentina and just like what what that home life was like and also I just love to talk a little bit about about uh, how that fit into your creativity because you are an amazing illustrator and I look at your work and it is it, it, it fills my heart and my soul so yeah, tell us a little bit about your, your youth.
1: Well, that's a long story. I'll make it 12-minute <laughs> timeline. Um, Don't worry about the time. So
2: about
1: I time. was born in Peru. We didn't live there very much. I moved at eight months um, to Argentina, then Chile, then a long t- longer time in Costa Rica, and then Venezuela, and then Argentina, and then... So we moved a lot, and I changed schools for... like I did 15 schools, I think. That was the final count, but there were a lot in the beginning. Um, But everywhere we went, every country we went, um, I did two schools.
0: Really? Why two schools?
1: I don't know. Just life. I don't know how that happened. I think my mom.
0: (laughs) Is that a cultural thing? Was that a parental thing?
1: That's not. That's not the cultural. That was a you thing. That was a me thing. No, I mean, I was. I. I think just circumstances, but it ended up. Happening. I did two schools in Argentina, one school, in, or three schools in Chile, wow. and then two schools in Costa Rica, and then one school in Venice. Oh, yeah, that was the pattern. Oh okay, that God. was what's supposed to happen. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so a lot of schools, a lot of people, uh, different friends.
0: Why were you moving around so much? My
1: mom's job.
0: Gotcha. What, what did your mom do? My can mom I ask worked, that?
1: Yes, you can. My mom worked in the UN. Um, oh, cool. So we moved around a lot, and it was just me and her. Was she a diplomat? She was.
0: She was a whoa, I did oh. not know this. You
1: know what's good about diplomats? We, we just said that. You
0: can park anywhere? Is that what's good about diplomats? <laughs> no, you know
1: what? There's a line that goes faster in the airport, and that's a really, you know, like you don't, you don't have to make long lines. Oh,
0: That's so interesting. Yeah,
1: I hate lines now, and I think that's why. Um, yeah, I never appreciated when I had it, and then now I'm like, oh, that line. Really, there's nobody there. Um, so yeah. We moved around a lot.
0: Got it. Um, so when you landed in Argentina, right? Uh, were you already thinking within a creative space, or were you, like, wh- wh- where were you? I know that you studied uh, design and typography, and you were also within the advertising industry.
1: Yes. Um, before you were, were an illustrator. I, I did, yeah. So when we were in high school, I really liked um, art. Um, we had a good art program. We had a good art teacher, mm-hmm. um, and I think I did. I heard, the school was American because we moved around a lot, and those that's the schools I went to, um, and they had offering. I don't know how I landed. I went to a pre-college program okay. um, at Ringling. Ringling. Yes, yes, I went there, and it was great. It was a summer, and I and I got the feel for what graphic design was. I was convinced that's what I wanted to do mm-hmm. um, and so that's what I went is that was that the question? Oh yeah anyway yeah. so um, so I really wanted to do that, but I also wanted to be home. I wanted to know what home was actually that's very applicable to this podcast huh. um, so um, you
0: wanted to know what yeah, home was: Yeah
1: because we had moved so much and my family was from somewhere else always so every, every school I went um, I was from somewhere else. I think I got tired of that, yeah. and so even though I had had that experience um, in the U.S. and the schools, you know, here they're amazing. Yeah, schools are amazing here. They have all these facilities and all these um, opportunities. Um, I wanted to be home with my family and know what my culture was. Like my, yeah, yeah I guess.
0: How big is your family?
1: Very small. What's I have small? A small family. Four or five people. Four small. or
0: five. Do you have siblings? I don't. Gotcha. Don't have.
1: Siblings.
0: So when you, so when you think I have of chosen home, siblings. what's that?
1: I have like friend siblings.
0: Oh, I I understand that too.
1: Yes. Uh, when you
0: when you a uh, uh, big Filipino family, I know what that's like. Um, when when you think of home, what does that mean to you? Aside from just like a design or creative space, where are you thinking location? Are you thinking like?
1: Well, in the beginning,
0: context.
1: I think that in the beginning it was just a question, like, where are you from? Like, that was always a thing in the schools that I went to, because everyone wants to be somewhere else. It was an international American school thing. And so I didn't know when I answered that question what I really meant, because I always said I was from Argentina. Like, right now you ask me, like, where am I from? But now I feel like when I answer that question, I have all these people and these friends and these memories from somewhere that feels like collective. I relate to and I understand the, the feeling from there.
2: Yeah.
1: But in the end, you know, I feel like now being here again, having to answer, you know, where are you from? And I feel like the South American thing fits better because, you know, there were 18 years of my life living somewhere else and those count too. Yeah. And they, I think they actually influenced my art a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was
1: thinking, because I thought maybe you would ask that question. Um, You thought, right. Yes. And I think there's a lot of movement and liveliness in what I try to convey. And I think it comes from those previous 18 years as well.
0: Um, I was reading about you and you seem to have a lot of interest in visual exuberance, music, and like a lot of like a celebratory culture is that something that feels ingrained in you, and it feeds yes. into your creativity?
1: I think so. I think so. <laughs> I, or either I really, really like it, and it's outside of me, or it's inside of me. I don't, I don't know yet, but um, but I think it definitely comes from where I grew up. I mean, I always tell people like um, in Argentina, there's a lot, like huge marches, always like people march politically, and they have a certain vibe and they're very, um, I guess I would say they're serious, like people take it seriously. Like, I mean, what am I going to say next? But in Venezuela, where I, you know, like formative final years, I always remember just like looking at people marching mm-hmm. and it was just music, like people were just dancing yeah. and like, they were protesting, but they were not serious. <laughs> they, were, they didn't look angry to me. And they were just dancing like loud music and it right. was like a party and that was not, like, you know, where I my family was, you know. So I think it made a um an impact on me and everything in those kind like Caribbean full of music yeah. and movement and like
0: dancing for even, a reason.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and like people really talk like with music. I don't know. It just oh, so that,
0: I, That's beautiful. Uh I love that. People talk with music. Um so uh you we have something in common in that we both went to the SVA MFA Illustration as Visual Essay Program, <laughs> yeah very long uh, with the legendary Marshall Arisman and a lot of amazing people there like Mirko Illich and, uh, and like Carl Totolo and all those guys um, they are brilliant. Um, you, we, I remember my time there was it was intense it was an intense two years and I would love to know just a intense. little bit of like yeah, how, yeah what was your experience coming from Buenos Aires to SVA into this hot box of creativity.
1: It was a lot. I'm sure. It was very intense. Yes. I saw the hole. Any
0: stories, any dirt you want to ah, no, tell?
1: No, it was, I mean, yeah, for another day, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, but it was really intense. I have, I, have, I, I saw the hole. I saw the, how black a hole can get. Sure. The other day, I, somebody told me, like, they discovered a new black or I mean, not now, but mm-hmm. like a black that doesn't reflect any sort of light. And so it's so dark, it feels like it's a hole. I feel like that's part of my two years <laughs> were like that. Oh, that's terrible. Um, yeah. But it was, it was intense because I feel like it really makes you look inside yes. yourself. Yes. And it's combined for people that come from somewhere else with coming to a new country and getting adjusted and even the language, I mean, even if I knew English, like mm-hmm. I had studied in American schools, yeah, um, it's not the same to say your feelings in another language. It's still yeah. like you can communicate, you can say your name, you can say, you know, how are you, but um, but I don't know if you can say, you know, how you're feeling the day that everything's really horrible. Right. Um, and it was a lot. It was really a lot. And it and you you know what you're supposed to do to um, succeed is bring it all out. And sometimes you're like, what is this horrible thing that's coming out of me? <laughs> like, I don't want to see it. Um, yes,
0: yes. Um, I, I can definitely relate to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's what it was. I think that that is Marshall's plan.
0: <laughs> right. That is that is Marshall's plan to pull our energy out of us. Yes. Yeah. Um, so,
1: um,
0: I, I I love your illustrations. They are beautiful and they're gorgeous and also the energy, the vibrancy. It comes through like very, very easily and like seamlessly. Um, and, but one thing I specifically love about your work is that it, uh, it really shows a, a, a multicultural and also like cross-sectional representation of the female form, which I believe is a passion of yours. I am
1: glad you're saying that.
0: Uh, yeah, is, is, can you talk us a little bit about your, your passion in that space and what that means to you?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought that that was some, everyone's, like, aspiration. Right. So Unfortunately just, it's not. It's not, but I thought it was. I really thought it was. I, I just recently was thinking about it because I am um, I have to write some things for a new visa that I have to get. Got it. Um, and um, yeah, it seems like it's not such a, I feel like it's a common thing, but I guess here in New York it feels more, but it is something that I really, that really matters to me. I I think it's just what how I see, what I see outside. I don't know, I really find different shapes interesting. I find details in people interesting. I think that one of the things that I've been really interested in doing is, well, more specifically, like my style is, I guess, simplified or stylized, but I think that something that really interests me in what I'm drawing is trying not to lose the details that make us different. Um, which is, I think it's actually like an art challenge because it's not so easy. Like you tend to simplify, simplify nose or simplify, you know, like little parts of the face that actually make the different races.
0: Right, they make a person a person, person. yeah.
1: A person from somewhere. Yes. Um, Not just a person because I guess they, you know. Um, Is
0: that something that you found within your time in the program or was it something I was always, Kind of embedded
1: in your I think process. it was embedded, but I the program did um, help me find the movement, and I think that's also part of making a person a person yeah. um, so it kind of brings the drawings alive and that was totally from the program. I was just there and I was going down 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 down, and then one day I started it started coming out, and yeah. it was all moving and it really hap- it really happened with music. You know, I had a project and I decided I was going to do dancing people. And the only reason I could do it is listening, trying to translate the music that I was hearing. Yeah. And it was really something that pulled me out of the... Really
0: out, of, out of the deep. Yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of deep. I especially Yes, over there. it was deep, yeah. So I have, I have one last question. Um, your, your piece, Hope for the Day, that got you the, the gold... Yes the gold medal for the Society of Illustrators. And it's a great animated piece. If anyone here wants to uh, watch that, I fully encourage you to watch it. It's, it's beautiful, it's about a minute long, right? And also, it's about mental health. And mental health, yes. And mental health is something that's very top of mind, I think, from a zeitgeist perspective. Yeah. Um, there's something, there was a phrase in there that I thought was great. Uh, it's, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And about self-acceptance. Can you, can you just speak a little bit about what yeah. that means to you?
1: Yeah. So I did not. I want. I, I mean, I want to credit the people that wrote it. Um, I did not write it. It was a commission. Oh,
0: with um, whom, if you want to. With
1: um, the organization is called Hope for the Day. Got it. And they they work with um, um, prevent, suicide prevention. Um, but it was such great timing. I feel like that was exactly what was meant to happen. We had just finished school and that was also a hard time because you know, like, you go deep inside, then you sort of come out, but you are lost because you don't know what, how you're going to apply whatever you just um, went through. And um, then I la- somebody, they commissioned me this. They had actually waited for me to finish school so that I could start it. And initially, I wasn't going to animate it because I am not an animator least right. as of now um but i really liked the um, the direction it was going in and i didn't it didn't feel like it was so hard to animate which i was very wrong <laughs> about <laughs> it was very hard i said it would take me two weeks and it took me more than two weeks
0: yeah yeah i bet um, <laughs> it always takes more than two weeks.
1: yes it took more than two weeks and i kept saying okay one more week um but they let me do it, which was incredible, because uh, it's a production company that I had worked with before. I spent all these days and nights (laughs) listening to the, you know, the audio, and the audio is like, you know, in middle school, I was about to, you know, like like a lot of um, dark um, memories and experiences from these young people that are in the video, and it really, was like I became like an antenna like I started pouring the, yeah. the, the, the emotions into it and it was sort of if the line got blurred and be- like who was talking I think it was just me like it came out of me yeah. and yeah it was it was I think it was amazing because I tried something new I it was something that I knew about that I understood mm-hmm. and it was exactly what the program was had advertised for me. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, if you say something that's meaningful to you and you just you know, try to go a little further, um, good things come out. And I mean, when I got the call from, from the director of the mm-hmm. Society of Illustrators, it was very funny because I was, you know I, I had just started my 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 artist visa process and you know that's a horrible process i don't, I don't wish anyone that process and um i was kind of you know not great and then i get this call and she tells me you know you you know i'm the director of the society you know you won a gold medal and i was like are you kidding <laughs> and she's like
0: it's a great call I don't
1: i don't kid like we don't kid about these things and i'm like oh, okay, bye, bye, I didn't know what to say. I call a friend, I tell her, then I hung up, and then I start like something happened and my mind started spinning. Yes. And then I don't know what happened. But for two weeks until I got the actual email repeating me this information, I actually had to look. I was not sure what they had told me. Wow! I really went into a horrible like I got that Yeah, the thing
0: that brought yeah, like, you down say? was did getting me so. Did she say hot. gold
1: yeah. or like silver? Did she say a metal? Like no, but she didn't say silver because silver sounds different. Gold, okay, <laughs> gold. <laughs> what did I tell you? Like my friend, what did I tell you again? It was um. Yeah. <laughs> for a second.
0: Yeah. For that, a second there. That for a second there. <laughs> yeah. Eugenia, thank you so much. That was beautiful. You'll be back with us to join the panel. Thank you. Everyone give Eugenia a round of applause. All right. So our next guest, who I've had the pleasure of speaking with previously, um, Kelly Shammie, uh the fabulous Kelly Shammy. She's a multidisciplinary artist and jewelry designer based in New York City. Uh, and Kelly is currently the creative producer at Parkwood Entertainment. we'll, uh, we'll be sure to <laughs> talk a lot about <laughs> <all> that. <laughs> Just kidding. So she, <laughs> uh, inside joke. She's collaborated with Nike, Pintrill, Ray-Ban, and of course, Kelly and her twin brother, Mark, own and operate the lifestyle brand, Shammy Official. Mm-hmm. Uh, some imagery you'll see behind you. So welcome Ke- Kelly Shammy to the stage. <laughs> um, so Kelly, thank you for joining us.
2: No, nice to see everyone and familiar faces. <laughs>
0: um, so I know that we spoke before. Yeah. I would just love for you to just give us a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a history, like where you're, where you're from, where your family's from, and uh, we'll just go from there.
2: Sure. Um, so I'm actually from New Jersey, although New Jersey, I'm New Jersey, <laughs> represent. Um, I was actually just talking to Zepang, and we realized we've been in New York for ten years together, wow. pretty much. <laughs> And um, so I do consider myself like around this area, mainly mm-hmm. the tri-state area. Uh, I have been living in New York for ten years. My family is originally from Syria and Lebanon, so it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting how small our family is. Yeah. And um, at that at the same point, it's like. It's so different because I, I meet people and they're born and raised in New York. A lot of my friends are born and raised here, and it's just nice to go home on holidays and see that difference and like feel it. So I think this is like being my tenth year here. I finally embrace that, mm-hmm. and and finally I'm like okay, like I have like a actually really cool story to tell, but <laughs> but um, I really I really like think about my parents and think a lot about how they came here and how small. Our family is, and just see like everyone together. It's like eight people, like on on holidays, and it's it's just interesting. It's it's different for sure. And um, when someone's missing, we realize that. But um, I do have a twin brother, so I have immediate family with me all the time. <laughs> and my parents are only in New Jersey still. But really? uh, yeah, it's it's different. I just I've been doing like a lot of research lately about. Where we're from and i've been looking at pictures so oh. it's it's been pretty it's been cool
0: <laughs> can you can you tell us a little bit because we didn't talk about this last time I, and I wanted to dig into it, but yeah. um can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to have uh, not just a sibling sibling but a twin sibling that where your creative energy like you're you, you're cosmically interconnected yeah, and your creative energy is cosmically interconnected like what, what, what does that mean for you, and how does that affect your your creative spirit.
2: It's weird because I feel like we've, we've transcended um, siblings and twins. Like we are kind of like a yin and a yang in a way. And um, we have got through that phase where we fight and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, every time we fight now, it's like 10 minutes later, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, it's interesting having someone especially here because that's my age, that's my sibling, that's my brother, he's not leaving me for anything. But um, we do get really creative together. We get really passionate. We get really, we get really engulfed in business. And um, he kind of just has all the parts that I don't have, which is more so like the business mind, the maybe some that idea I was just looking for. Like we always kind of like complete each other in a way. So I think I think over time working with him a lot on things like even for something I see the I see the book cover, but. Even for something a book I've never done before, I kind of went to him and I asked him, like, "What would you do, like, in terms right. of this contract?" Because you know it's hard, like, when you don't have a manager or have someone always there with you. So right. he's he's really great with numbers, really great with business. Um, he he always has creative ideas, but sometimes I really look to him for like the business mind, even though he has nothing to do with publishing. <laughs> I, I I called him about it and he was like, "You know, what, I think you should do this," and he's I don't know. He actually just made the Forbes list this year, so that was really cool. And um, I trust trust him and good genes. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I'm I'm only one at Thanksgiving, not on the Forbes list. But his (laughs) his his girlfriend also made it with him, Danielle. She's here today. I didn't
0: know that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was
2: really cool. But um, so I I really trust him. He's like my yin and my yang. And it's nice that we have such a small family and we could always rely on each other. Yes. And um, this year we pretty much you know, kind of followed in my father's footsteps, who's been working on the Diamond District for over 30 years. I'm so glad you're bringing this up. That's going to be my next
0: next thing. No, no, that's great. Um, I love it.
2: But, um, so jewelry has always been our passion. And in terms of like, not it's always been an underlying passion because we've always grown up working with him. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people go to work with their parents and hate it. Or, you know, when you're off of school one day and you're just like, come with me, or, you know, my dad dragging me down 47th Street. But um, yeah, I learned so much. Uh, I realized how much jewelry I wear. I can't leave. I can't leave my house without wearing rings, um, and it's it's become like something I just like always will love, always will keep. I love the sentimental value of it. Yep. And um, when I have something from my grandmother or from my mother, I always keep it and and I think about it. And you know, it's it's just a part of design I never thought I would actually like.
0: Tap two. Did, it, did but, it take you a long time? Oh, sorry. That's <laughs> um, did it take you a long time to lock into a personal creative process that that tapped into that, and also like was did your did the pieces that you are creating now, the things that you're making now, do they do they visually like? Do you ever look back at something from from your dad's shopping, like oh that reminds me Actually, of that thing? Actually, all the time.
2: But I didn't realize I was doing it. So when I when I was in college at SVA. Um, I always wanted to stay close to my family because I was saying they're so small. So I, I went to college at SVA and I wanted to just, you know, on the weekend if I really needed to go see my parents, I would go see them or my mom would come to the city or, or whatnot. So I didn't realize I was actually always working in jewelry since like 18, 17, 16. I was always like collecting pieces, designing things, drawing things. And then would it be like later into my, my college years where I started like you know, drawing things, putting on the table, making them. So I actually did a, a really small line and sold it a few places. But it was just me being young, so it, it was kind of just like, all how do, right. How do you me...
0: even make the? What do you? What do you get the resources to to make the wait, thing wait, even? I
2: can't give away all my secrets. <laughs> um, oh damn! <laughs> no, I mean, line. you know, like it's the same asking like. Uh, I feel like in New York is such a great place to be because there's always like, if there's a will, there's a way. So whether it's you're working in fashion or you're working in furniture, you want to make furniture, you want to make, you know, there's always like, if you really do your research, especially with the internet and being around the city, like, there's always some way to make something. Yeah. And that's why I like, don't discourage people to like, do whatever you want, even for projects or whatnot. You can go to, you know, make something out of plastic, make something out of whatever, so. It it was cool. I I didn't know what I was doing in business then, so when um, me and my brother put our heads together pretty much, I was like, let's just do this for real. And he was like, yes, sure, let's, you know, like, I love all your ideas. Like, we actually targeted how to do an online store right before everyone started making online stores.
0: What what year is this, era is this?
2: I don't know, like 2013, 2012, 2011, like one of those years. And we kind of just were like, "What? we don't know what we're doing. We'll shoot product shots. It's actually like a whole, people have businesses about this stuff now. So it's it's just something that has come naturally to us now, where it's like, okay, it's a moving part and we know what we're doing with it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think I think oh, you learn every year, you learn with every mistake. Yeah. You learn with every good thing. Um, and now we're just like more mature in our choices. So <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it, it's we collaborate with cool people. We we just work really hard around the clock, but jewelry is not the only thing we're doing. We're just creating, it's like the center of everything Got it. for for me and him.
0: But. So uh, you design a lot of great nameplates.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> Beautiful
0: nameplates. I know AIJ New York recently put on an event about nameplates. Oh wow, really? I, yeah, I was actually Oh, I think great.
2: I saw that. I think I did see that, yeah.
0: It was it was a great event. Um, what can you give uh, us a little bit of insight into what it takes aesthetically to to create a really good nameplate? Because I think a lot of us understand that kind of, but from an expert, what does that mean? So
2: I think it it's not about. I think it's about the history. Like you kind of have to know all the different styles of jewelry, especially like there's so much culture that derives from from specific jewelry, whether you're Hispanic, whether you're African, whether you're Indian, like there's there's all different parts of the world that do jewelry a certain way. And I guess it just depends what you're what you want. You know what I mean? So if you want like a old school style, or if you want like a, you know, like something updated, or you know, you wanna you wanna do like something with Indian detail. Like I just I just wanna take the traditional stuff mm-hmm. and put a new way. New put a new spin on it. So For me, I just kind of look at, I do my research on everything, like, you know, from the stores on Canal Street to, like, the stores in the Diamond District to see, like, you know, what's out there. Right. But I try to put a new spin on it because I'm not going to just make everything that everyone else makes. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, whether it's some typography that I actually take from a record cover or from, you know, from an inspiration, from music, from a movie design, title design, um, I'm thankful that I have that I do like graphic design because I feel like sometimes that helps, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Just like knowing all the fonts, knowing all the, you know, knowing knowing different ways to flourish. So, right. yeah, I think it's just really what you want, though. I feel like jewelry is so personal. I can't say like, oh, this is this is, you know, it depends what you want. I like when people come to me like and have ideas, like, oh, I really want a piece like this, and I'm like, all right, cool, like that's cool.
0: <laughs> you do a lot of that custom work, a lot of yeah, that commission
2: on the side. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Um, so I know you have a you have a full time job. Yes. And also you do a l- so much work on your personal time. How do you find that balance? And and it seems like you're working all the time.
2: Yeah. And I also mean, um, from
0: a workaholic to a workaholic.
2: My parents hate this, but I don't sleep. I mean, um, I would really suggest everyone sleep, though, because it's healthy. <laughs> um, I do go on a vacation every now and then, and people are like, oh, you're always on vacation. I'm like, I'm not. I, I just post about the vacations. <laughs> but... Um, I d- you know what it's I'll, I''ll sleep like a few hours a night and um when I get home, I just get really inspired so I, I start my nightly okay, it's me time sort of thing, and I you know I prepare stuff for the next day i I think about what I didn't do today and i d- I just kind of work around the clock yep. i know I know that's I feel like the city never sleeps here, so i don't I don't feel like I'm alone like I don't feel like oh it's really quiet, I should go to bed like I'm just like, all right, let's go so um <laughs> It's a gift and a curse. I mean, there's probably a point in my life where I'll take things a little bit slower. Sure. But uh, for now, I just like I like it. I'm like I love the pain. I don't know. I just like <laughs> I just like the, the I like doing a million things at one time, and that's actually what my brother does too. So I think it doesn't help. We don't help each other with that.
0: So. <laughs> You're both enabling. Yeah. It's your like, oh, let's do this. Work. and then let's do
2: that. It's not good. But um, right. I try to do everything with you know with integrity with panache. I try to I try to concentrate and give time to like my favorite projects but you know, we just don't really sleep. <laughs> and I don't drink coffee. But Whoa. Yeah. Did we talk about that last time? No, you don't drink, drink coffee? Coffee. Really? <laughs> <laughs> really? Like, oh, you must drink a lot of coffee. I'm like, I really don't drink any coffee at all. I don't
0: know how you exist on earth. <laughs> I don't know.
2: <laughs> I feel like if you don't start drinking it, you don't need it. But is that, does anyone else feel that way? <laughs> I
0: don't know. Yeah. Any hands out there? Any hands out there agree? Any non-coffee drinkers in this audience? Wow, you're all freaks. And we're probably- <laughs> I don't understand any of you.
2: I don't, but I like Starbucks. Like, I like going there with my friends. <laughs> you like the
0: energy of Starbucks.
2: <laughs> I'm like, oh, they have like a cute app and like, like good food, I guess, but <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. nothing against any coffee shops. They're so nice. But.
0: Um, so uh, I just want to uh, want to ask about one project. Your the book that you released that you illustrated, "Free the Tipple."
2: Yeah. Uh, about
0: <laughs> favorite drinks of iconic women.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, it's a beautiful book. Thank you. Um, can you just like a what are your what are your favorite drinks out of that book? I'm curious, and also who are your favorite um, uh, female icons from that book?
2: Oh, so I don't know. Every page is just so good. Like I feel like I wouldn't have done the book if I didn't like everyone. Mm-hmm. So I I worked with with uh, two women on this book, and we're all in different places. And um, Jen Kroll, number one, she's she wrote the whole thing, and um, she, we we just kind of. We work together. It's weird because they're in London, but they're also Americans. Mm-hmm. They just kind of through life got to London at some point. Um, I actually went to London for the, in January, and I didn't realize how the book is everywhere wow. there. So I, did, I like would walk by a coffee shop, like, oh, there's the book, I'm, I'm, I didn't see it here like that. So it, it kind of freaks me out a little bit. But, um, so I wouldn't have done the book if it wasn't for all the women on the in the pages. And I really love every page, like there's not one page. I learned something new about every one of the women, even though like, you know, Gloria Steinem, like uh, we had Serena Williams, like we, we had tons of different Types of women, which I like, totally agree to. Like, I would never do something that is I feel is one-sided or not all inclusive. So I can't say I like certain women, but I do like Grace Coddington's drink the best because <laughs> it has a drink? little bit of Aperol in it. No. So it's like Aperol Spritz.
0: Do you remember the name of it?
2: I, it's the Grace Coddington. Oh, the Grace
0: Coddington. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. So she's like you know known for her orange hair. So the drink is orange. Like Jen did a really good job doing. I'm not a mixologist. I've known nothing about alcohol. But now I feel like I know everything about alcohol, so <laughs> it, it's just, it, I drink Aperol if I have to, and uh, I like that drink the best. But the book is really cute. I, it's it's super fun. I like that it's like on people's bars. There's also history. Right. Um, I don't think this is like the end with doing books like this, but it is. it was a labor of love because it wasn't my main job. Right. So right, I'm sure. So I kind of just illustrated every page crazy and, you know, it took all different hours of the night, but... It was really fun. I never did like a full project like that, like a hundred something pages. Besides in college. Actually, yeah, in college was bad. We did big projects like that. But it kind of reminded me of those days because it was not for work. It was mostly just like on my own, working with them. They were really cool. They never put any pressure on me. But I learned a lot about uh, book publishing, so that was cool. Because before I used to work in magazines and that was, it was just a different thing that's more, a lot of different moving parts together. But for the book, it was like, all right, this is all on me. I have to focus on the bleeds, focus on where I'm putting this, focus on, you know what I mean? So it, it, it was cool. It was definitely interesting.
0: <laughs> so one last question. Um, I know that you like to shift metals right now. Yeah. Like you're constantly changing that up. What's your favorite metal right now?
2: Oh, I'm silver now. Silver right now. Yeah, well, white, gold, silver. White, gold, silver. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for a while I used to always wear, I know he asked me this before, <laughs> but for a while I used to just wear gold, but I realized, you know, sometimes, I, I don't know, lately I'd, I used to be so against silver, probably because my dad used to mainly sell silver, mm-hmm. so I used to always be like, oh no, I don't want that, I want gold, but um, now I'll just make everything in silver, I love silver, but, that's dope. I also feel like you can wear big chunk things in silver and still look like,
0: Oh, like a big chest plate yeah. situation? Not, not so
2: gaudy, because yeah. when I would put on a blot of gold, it's just like, it looks, it looks gaudy sometimes, but <laughs> yeah.
0: Kelly, thank you so no, much. No
2: problem. Thank you. I to give a
0: round of applause to Kelly Shannon. So our final guest before we go to panel, we're running, we're running all right on time. Yeah, we're, we're doing great. Cool. So our final guest before we go to panel, uh, Zupang Zhu. Zipong is a Chinese-born designer, art director, illustrator, and animator in New York City who wants to make every day a razzle-dazzle musical. His clients include Coca-Cola, Microsoft, Netflix, Viacom. Hey, I know Viacom. Uh, the New Yorker, Fox, Animal Planet, CNN, Refinery29, Chabani and Samsung. He's worked at Pentagram, Sagmeister, and Walsh, and was an ADC young gun. Also, he is exuberant colorful, and relentless. Everybody, please give us a warm welcome She's <laughs> the Hi. What's
2: up, brother? Hi. Up?
0: I feel like you and I are glowing in the dark right now. I know. <laughs> Gotta shine, you know? <laughs> Life is hard. Life is hard. So thank you for joining us today, thank brother. Thank you for having me. Um, can you just uh, just give the audience a little bit of background from where you're from? Yeah, a little bit of your upbringing, let's go from there. Yeah, so
3: I'm born and raised in Des Moines, Iowa. No, I'm (laughs) just kidding. Oh, (laughs) plot twist. I'm from China, Uh, I'm from a city called uh, Shenzhen. It's uh, right next to Hong Kong, and it is only 10 years older than me. So it was made uh, to welcome Hong Kong coming back to China. So it was literally, uh, my parents uh, went to the city to build it, and then they met each other, and then they built another thing that's <laughs> right here, and um, yeah, so they met in the, they met, I think, 82 or something, and then, you know, eight years later, they had me, <laughs> and yeah, and my city is just in the south, so it's super hot and humid all the
0: time, filled with... Oh, I felt well, that, that humidity, it is intense. It's, it's nasty. Yeah, it is. It wasn't even cold. I was just like, oh There's my god. It was never cold. But uh, it wasn't even hot, rather.
3: Yeah, well, and also the humidity is so intense. Um, people from the north will have a hard time breathing in my city because <laughs> the humidity is 100% sometimes. So you're just breathing like water vapor at all times. Oh my god. That's why my
0: skin is so good. <laughs> So in the episode in which we spoke, yes, it was it ended kind of on a cliffhanger ending a little bit because you were going through uh, some visa issues. To be oh yeah. yeah, it was it was on the podcast. Right. Yes. So obviously you're here with us today. We're enjoying your energy. Just like what is happening with that? Like everything's cool, right? So
3: last time when we did the podcast, it was a lot of uncertainty. Yes. And then there was some tragic happened. I applied for my green card. It got denied the week before Thanksgiving, and I just spent my Thanksgiving at home, cried for, you know, literally for two weeks, and then all my friends came back and rescued me out of my darkness, and uh, I applied for a O-1 visa immediately, and I got it. But there's one more plot twist. I don't know why it's so dramatic, but I guess that's just my life. Um, I went to China to get it on my uh, passport, and then, I don't don't know really what happened, and that they decided to resubmit it back to the pile. Like they were, um, it, it goes right back into yeah, the, like uh, it was into under, the machine. Yeah, it was under administrative processing, which means they are not sure if they made the right decision the first time. <laughs> so, uh, so I was just in China. Cried even more, <laughs> but it was great. I get to hang out with my parents. We spent three months together because I don't get to see them that often, so um, it was traumatic. But I made it back, and I'm still here, still alive, still happy. So
0: <laughs> that deserves a round of applause. So your earliest influences, and I googled you, by the way. I was what googling did you, find. you. Yeah. A lot of crazy shit. I assume just a lot. Of yeah, I had to go in incognito mode. mode. That's what I had. No, That's uh, right. <laughs> clear your browser history. <laughs> clear my browser history. Yeah. I had to go on Safari. I never go on Safari. <laughs> so, um, so like in, uh, your influences. You love manga, yes. right? Also, I was reading that you love Power Rangers and Super Sentai, yep. like as was known in Asia. Can yep. tell us a little bit about that, and also I'd love to. How does that inform you currently today? Got it. So when I was a kid, I was um,
3: flipping through the channel, and I think I just flipped through uh, Sailor Moon during the transformation, and I was like, "What is that? (laughs) (laughs) That is some weird shit." And I kind of like it because you know you see her eyes during the whole process and nothing else. It makes no sense, but I was really enjoyed it and. she has ever since been my like guiding star. And then um, Power Ranger, it was just, I don't know, like I, uh, so I grew up with the Japanese version, yeah. so. Super Sentai. Yes, and um, I don't know the English name, sorry, that took me a second. Oh, sorry. no, okay. no worries. No worries. Um, which is really difficult for me, because like for Harry Potter, um, po- uh, Pokemon, and everything, I only, only knew them in Chinese. So, like I had this like huge language barrier between me and all my friends because I do not know like you know what um well the only thing we have in common is Pikachu and Harry Potter and everything else is translated <laughs> different so I'm just like mm, I don't know what um uh, what's it called uh, charmander is till like very recently so you know it was like some I have to rewatch all the um uh, Pokemon, the the, the uh, Indigo League. And also, <laughs> thank God, all the Harry Potter were on HBO. So I rewatched all of them. So I learned all the names. I was, like, taking notes and, like, studying English all over again. I'm just, like, yeah. But sidetrack, sorry. Uh, I was watching Power Ranger, the Japanese version. And I was just, I don't know, it's kind of cool. These people wearing, like, you know, Colorful outfits, like from head to toe, right. and kicking uh, an ass, kicking ass, mm-hmm. and then they combine together. You know, they join together. And right. You know, it's awesome. I I really
0: like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um. So, so going back to your childhood. Yes. So I remember you telling me that you were your parents. They were kind of forbidden to do art. Yeah. Right. And uh, but but your dad was a designer. Well, right. Or oh, well, or oh, no, my oh, no, I'm wrong, misinformed. No, it's.
3: So my dad is a very complex character. My mom is a lot more simple. She's a, a university librarian. My dad uh, was uh, went to art school for painting. He's an amazing abstract painter. And then uh, dad didn't make him money, so he went to advertising and started to do um, uh, design and advertising. And then dad also didn't make that much money. <laughs> so he started to do jewelry. So that's what me and Kelly had in <laughs> Common. So I grew up right. also with. And you guys went to school together. Yeah, we went to school. I graduated from the same class. Uh, but yeah, so I also grew up with uh, diamonds and gold and wow. all that <laughs> shit. I'm wearing none of it because I was like kind of going against it. I have a beat and that's
0: it. But I might get a gold chain. So, h- how hard was it? How hard was it for you to convince your parents of what you wanted to do? Because I mean, you you've taken like like a, such a massive leap of of a doing the thing that you were told to not do and then moving to a country to do the thing that you were told to not do yeah and then also to excel in the thing you were told to not do so okay so
3: first of all um my parents didn't want me to study art because my dad's life it was just like i think he doesn't want want me to go through the same yeah. thing that he went through so um i grew up with full house with art books i've never read a single one of them because they were like so tightly like sealed. Like I can see them in the uh, cabinet, but I can't open them. Like they're just like <laughs> all locked up. Great, and um, so I was always just a good kid. Like really, I like school, I love studying, and um, I was gonna study uh BioCam, and then I was really good at it. Like not bragging, but I was really, really good at it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but at the same time, um, I was doing manga on the side mm-hmm. until uh, three years later. I realized I just can't draw. Like my hands are just absolutely useless. Like I want to draw a person, it turned into a monster. That happens <laughs> like on a daily basis. So, but that gave me just a lot of knowledge in Photoshop. So I started to do like my like school PowerPoint presentation. I designed the backgrounds and then like started to do uh, posters and flyers for um, all the clubs that I was in and this and that. And then I took a art class in it for the first time. And my art teacher was like, oh, like, you know, you seem to be really into graphic design, and would you want to study this for school? And then he was like, what is that? <laughs> I was like, what is that? And um, I was like, oh, this is really cool. I looked into it a little bit. So I had a very not friendly conversation with my parents. I got into my first fight with my parents. Ever, and I just said.
0: First fight with Asian parents, strict Asian parents.
3: Oh, yeah, like, before, it's more like Cold War. We just, like, don't talk to each other. <laughs> but this one, is like, we really actively, I was fighting for my life. So what I said to them, because...
0: You, you are hitting me in all the, Oh, I know, <laughs> I know. Like,
3: all the Asians here. The good, good boy oh. Asian... No, world. I'm yeah. just like... So the conversation I had with my parents... Um, my, my mom was just like, what are you doing this? You're so clearly good at biochem. You're so clearly going to have a great career out of this. Why? And I was just like, well, mom, like, for my whole life, I've been a good boy. I do everything that you wanted me to do. Just let me do this thing once for my life. If this thing failed, I'll do whatever the fuck you want me to do. Like, seriously, like, that, that, was, that, that was my ultimatum. Is that the right word? Yeah. So, like, that was my, you know, and they were like, all right, fine. So, that basically put a huge fire up my ass. And um, I just can't fail. I can't fuck it up because I fought for this one chance. This is all I did one time for my life. Right. If I failed this, I felt like I was going to fail myself a little bit. And I just can't let that happen. And then, so I worked really hard. Who knows? We were at school, just like working like crazy. Kelly knows, just just giving you a context for the audience who can't see us. <laughs> uh, yeah, we worked really hard at school. And um, yeah, I was very lucky that
0: get to be at where I'm at, but with a lot of hard work. Totally. Um, so it can, it's going to sound like a non-stop but it's not. Um, with the film Crazy Rich Asians yeah. that came out last year. I'm crazy poor. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what I'm getting at is that it it was a bit of a, <laughs> it was a bit of an awakening for me in terms of representation in film, yeah. especially for something that's like meant to be like a straightforward rom com that that speaks to the masses, but through a very specific cultural lens. Yeah. and I I wanted to actually just talk to you on the mic about this. Yeah, okay. But now we are like, what was your? Did you have a feeling about that? A reception to that? A thought about that? What What did that level of representation mean to you? Yeah, so uh, very interesting.
3: I went to a crazy rich Chinese high, high school, international high school. Like I was like the, the, the poorest kid at the whole, cause uh, the school functions in two ways. So they're, they're rich kids who are bad at school. So they pay their way in the school. And then we're the good kids that just get like awards and like competition win the competitions or whatever for school's reputation. So we function it different, you know, we pay no money, but we get fame for the school. And then they sponsor us to be there basically. <laughs> And um, uh, they're great and they're very street, super sweet and so I, I some of my best friends are just really rich and then just for me like coming from you know I came from a super poor neighborhood and just seeing like the other side of the world was really interesting but about crazy rich Asians uh, one thing I felt if you're Asian and if you know like mahjong really well you can Throughout the movie, you can, like, I at least I felt there's one storyline is, you know, very straightforward and in your face, the main, main line for everybody. But there's this like undertone of like family and how, um, like, for example,
0: the when that strategy of Mahjong, yeah,
3: yeah, 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 that, and then, you know, like when uh, Gemma Chan's character, I forgot her right. name, the, Ooh
0: Minerva in, in Captain Marvel, Sorry. yes, aside
3: she's crazy hot also um so her character when she uh broke up with her husband in the car yes the oh grandma- the one that was cheating on yeah, her yeah yeah. yeah yeah yeah. and then grandma shows up at the wedding like yeah. like that i understood 100 percent without any explanation because i felt that just what we would do for each other like there's a lot of unspoken uh feeling and love and emotion that we have for each other that we don't ever talk about it like I still don't think I've said I love you to my parents but we just you know do it by action because I don't know like talking about feeling something we're not very good at yeah. but therefore I think there's just so much uh act of kindness and love and um affection for each other yeah.
0: like in the things that we do absolutely that's beautiful yeah. I uh, want to ask you one last question before we go to panel. So, on your Instagram, which is a great Instagram, by the way, um, on your Instagram, uh, you posted something that said, "Asian culture is not aesthetic. Yeah. And I, from a level, from a, from the conversation of appropriation and what that means in terms of, um, using, a visual signal yeah. that is associated with a specific culture, and and being appropriated. What 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 is your thought on that? Unless that's unless that is the thought.
3: no, I mean I'm gonna get in so much shit for this, but um, oh, let's get in the go. shit, Zipan. Yeah, Twitter, come at me. Uh, I'm ready. <laughs> so I when I made that post, I was really upset. Uh, when I saw, so I felt. Oh, first of all, hip hop is one of the most dominating uh, cultural forces, and but in the past few years, I felt there's a lot of uh, huge um, Asian influence only in the aesthetic, but not really uh, into the root of the culture. You know, let's, okay, I'm going to start to name names, guys. So, you know, oh, I'm sweating really hard right now. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm going to start saying the first one, like, you know, when Migos did Stir Fry. Yeah. The, like, the songs, whatever, but the music video, I was just, I can't. Mahjong is for four people. Why are we having five people on the table? Right. I don't understand. <laughs> and also, like, I just felt the the message of the video. Also, is just like I was really angry. Um, I remember like one thing I have to say. This is like the semi gangster side of me coming coming out. Like, we kicked the. Italians out of fucking Chinatown. That's why we have Chinatown and Little Italy. So like, (laughs) Migos, you think you can run us? That's not how we work here. (laughs) You might get cut. So, um, so I was kind of upset about that. Uh, I was a little upset about Nicki and Ariana. Sure.
0: I mean, the Nicki performance at SNL. I think it was also Yeah, I mean, particularly the music video, like,
3: I mean, girl, you can't just have some Chinese people to look over what Chang li is about, and then, you know, yeah, you exactly. will know that she's not really a bad guy. And then Ariana's tattoo, I'm just like, oh, my oh God. yeah. What did the tattoo say? What, well, what, it, it broke, it well, translated well, to, like, there's so many things wrong with it. <laughs> First of all,
0: she, her excuses was, like, but bring it back to design. It was designed wrong. Yeah. Obviously. And
3: that's why I'm teaching, oh, by the way, I'm teaching a Chinese class right now to get a proper Chinese tattoo because I, I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> uh, so it's, uh, she, first of all, did a, I mean, I don't speak Japanese, but the uh, the seven ring, the, the character she tattooed, they're in kanji, which is Chinese characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, so first of all, she tattooed um, just seven wheels, which in Japanese, apparently, they're uh, barbecue. Cook- barbecue girls. And then she added the word finger after seven. But when you do letters from up and down, you read from right to left instead of left to right. So it reads will seven fingers. So that also doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. And then but my, my last one was the most, like to me, the most devastating was uh, Kendrick uh, with Kung Fu Kenny. Like, oh, I'm yeah. fine with that. But, like, the music videos, especially the one that, uh, with SZA was just, I can't. Like, half of the element or not even Chinese and, like, not, like, none of the kung fu gestures was right. Not that I know that much about kung fu, but, like, I know enough that Kendrick, your hand gestures is not. It just looked a little bit closer or right. ask some fucking Chinese people. Right, right. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and then I'm going to pick Last Bone. Pick last bone. One last bone with uh, Nike. Ooh, so, let's get into it. So Chinese, Former former employer. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to say, like,
0: for Chinese... My former employer.
3: Yeah. For Chinese New Year, and, I mean, I love Steve Harrington's work. I love it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a collab between Nike and Steve, but it's for Chinese New Year. That's fine. But I felt that, you know, this is one particular time period that you're, you know, marketed towards Asian people yeah. why don't you just pick one it doesn't I don't even want them to be Chinese anymore I'm not asking them just be Asian at least to just give one person one minority a chance let them you know do something for, the, for their people that you are profited off you know like Steve is great his work is awesome you can hire him for any other fucking projects but just why like, Chinese New Year yeah why I don't get it yes just give somebody a chance that's all energy. we're
0: asking. That's beautiful, brother. Thank you. <laughs> everybody, give Zipongzhu a round of applause. Right now, we're just going to reset just a little bit. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. Uh, but before we go to the panel segment, I just want to thank Des Jin. Des Jin is an American modern Jin with a mission to unite design with the spirit industry. Designed both inside and out, it merges the traditional and the unconventional. And now back to first-generation conversation. Um, Thank you, everybody, for for being here today again. Um, I want to open this up to the group here. So uh, right now, like within the inclusion space, and also within the, the the D word, the diversity space. I don't necessarily love that word, but within within that space, at least the the design community and the creative community is something that's very top of mind right now, right? And and that's right now it's being uh, discussed within our visual language, within um our um within our verbiage and everything in between. So, uh, what do you all think is something that's missing right now within the community's conversation around? Inclusion. (laughs) Zipeng, Zipeng, let's start here and then let's go this way.
3: Wow, that's really stressful. Um, I know, it's a tough one. Yeah, well, I personally felt that um, I am very often to be the token for a lot of things. You know, it would be great one day we don't even think about the the need of um, like if I'm a token or not. Cause everywhere, you know, every project I take on, I, I would just try to see the email chain and then see if like like am I like the only Asian one or like like I'm just cause sometimes I feel like everywhere I mean I gotta say like sometimes I really benefit from this, but uh at the end of the day, you know, it would be great one day it's just everybody from everywhere doing everything together at one one spot. And because that's what New York is, at least, and I feel every time a project that comes along from, from the city that doesn't represent that, I just feel like they're not trying hard enough.
2: I, I actually, to piggyback off what you said before, um, I do feel like within every industry, there does become like cliques that are formed. Where, where, you know, certain people are the head people for this, we're only going to use this, we're going to use this photographer to shoot some, you know. I guess also, what to piggyback back what you are saying, like more research, more um, just giving someone a chance. Because like at some point, I actually do remember everyone who gave me a chance, like everyone, like literally all the teachers, all the, you know, someone who hired me when I barely had a resume. Um, I do remember those people, and I'm like, wow, they like actually did something for me. And I feel like now with social media, it works to our disadvantage a little bit more than it works to our advantage, because you just want those people that, you know, the people who have the most following or the yeah. people who have the most on their track record. Meanwhile, social media is also a great way to find somebody, even if you're not, even if you're not, uh, you know, have the most followers. Their work could be really cool. But what ends up happening is that these companies just steal. So. And that's the worst part of it. And I feel, (laughs) it's just sad. I feel like a lot of people still work from, you know, people with a hundred followers or a thousand followers. And like a thousand followers was a lot to me at some point. So I feel, you know, I feel like, you know, just don't forget the little people and like the people who really care. So I always try to give people a chance. I always try to like work with a photographer for shooting jewelry if we're shooting something for you know any of my other jobs i always try to work with somebody that you know may not have the biggest following or the biggest popularity but also just like really passionate so passion over popularity <laughs>
1: um representation wise i think i mean I, I had been what we were talking about with details and like race i also think age is highly Mm -hmm. unrepresented Um, especially you know there's been a lot uh, of improvement i think women you know size wise but not age wise and it's really difficult even you know illustration like you see popular illustrations of women there's a lot of different races a lot of different figures but not so much um age diversity and i feel like we're all facing like this end of the road thing like what even um Hiring, I don't know, like how many teams do we have that have um, older um, examples of right. either women or other nationalities, I don't know.
0: Right, there's a there's a time, there's like a age entry yeah. point and then there's an age phase out point yeah. for like a lot of different yeah. things. It doesn't always have to be that way, you know? Yeah. Um, so next question, um, has, has there ever been a time, and we've, we've talked about a lot about like what, where our upbringing what our upbringing is, and where we're all from, and like I, what I love about everyone here is that you've all expressed deep pride in in the the things that make you all you, which I think is dope. You know, um, is there ever a time in your history? Because people that are listening to this might 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 find this in their own life. Is there ever a time where you felt that your cultural specificity, or even like your individual specificity, wasn't not a hindrance? Because I don't want to frame it that way, but a sticking point for for someone or something and then how do you overcome something that like that?
3: Well, I came to this country with an English name and then I, it's uh, in sophomore year I made a decision that um, I had to Really generic white boy name and um
2: what
3: was it? <laughs> what was your name? What was it? Tell Wait, us your oh name. Oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. I do know it. I
2: do know it. <laughs> Don't even talk about it. <laughs> that
3: person's long dead. Uh,
2: it kind of is though. No,
3: I mean, so it's because I felt that um when I first came here, uh it was a lot about trying to fit in and trying to blend in, and you know everybody from home was telling me, you know, having an American name, it's gonna easy for you to have a friend, like make a friend, blah, 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 because your name is, you know, hard to pronounce it, and then yada, 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 yada. But um, I just realized in the, um, when we were in school, that like I have a pretty cool initials. My initials are ZZ. And I was watching Chicago. I found the word dazzle that has ZZ in it. That I was like, that's really awesome. And so I kind of, embraced that, and then from that moment on, all I want to do is to, you know, be as dazzled as possible, and most importantly, the meaning of my name, Zipong, means a exuberant child. So, which I know is pretty accurate, but I'm also trying to like live it up as much as possible just to, you know, because I'm really grateful that my parents gave me this great name, and I just want to, you know, make them proud. Yeah.
2: I think that, um it's not really a hindrance unless you're at the airport with whatever passport you have or whatever nationality you are or you know somewhere out of the country but i think the more you open up about your story and you stop trying to be somebody else that you you know like oh my family's from here i'm from this or i can speak this language i could do that i think you just start realizing how many more doors open how much it works to your advantage it's just sometimes i guess we're afraid to tell our story or to tell somebody You, you never know like i've actually I've like connected with so many other like Lebanese people just cuz we're Lebanese. There's no other thing. And like they might be so different or you know actually one of my one of my best friends is an art director at at my job at Parkwood and he's Lebanese. And we like hated each other until we just realized we were Lebanese and I was like I was like oh okay like like you eat what I eat or you know you you do what I do and um, you, like, he talks to his mom the way I talk to my mom. You know, it, it was it just like, I don't know, there was like a standoff for a while, and then we realized we were the same. So like, it, we Levity don't... standoff. Yeah, <laughs> it, get, it get really dramatic also. Um, but you don't realize like how much you're like someone else until you, you know, open up, tell, tell your family where you're from or like one little village could be next to someone else's little village where their family's from. So I think it's just like an open conversation to have once you feel comfortable with somebody or just to tell your story or just, you know, be true to who you are.
1: Yeah, I mean even when you share your story, your particular story and it somehow matches someone from like the other side of the world. Yeah, um, I think that's actually kind of the best feeling. Like, wow, like we grew up somewhere so different and you know this reference or um, you had this similar family type. Um, so it's not only within communities, but I do think you're right, like you have to open up. I feel like when you go somewhere new, you always try to blend in. Maybe, or like that's something that's um, common. And I think it takes a while to feel comfortable enough to sort of be like, okay, I don't need to blend in anymore. Or how people hate um, like people from Jersey. Which
2: <laughs> is that still a thing? I don't yeah, even it, know. Yeah, it's thing very anymore. Strong. But
3: y'all have so many famous people: Lomero Street,
2: um, yeah, Patti totally. Smith, Frank Sinatra, Redman. Yeah. Um, I have a list. but. Right.
0: Uh, I, was, I was on Whitney set a week did. ago with um, Vinnie and Paulie D. Halsey. And it was the best day ever. Can't talk about that one yet. But But
2: yeah. It's not, it's part of my story, but also it's, you know, people just, they think they see you and they just judge you all the way. Because we have such, like, we have such low attention span for things these days. So they're just like, oh, she's from there. Cool. We're not working with her. She has a 201 number. Okay. But, like, (laughs) I don't, like, you know what I mean? She has
0: a 201 number.
2: People say that to me. Wow. uh, uh, (laughs) That's a thing. Never heard that. Meanwhile, I've been living and paying rent here for 10 years. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it it works in different ways, but I always feel like give someone a chance and also tell your tell your real story.
3: Yeah. But just yeah. add on to that. Yeah. When I got here, my cousins said you have to have a nine one seven number. Yeah, Otherwise, nobody <laughs> want to talk to you because you look fobby as fuck. And
0: <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: so. Uh, I mean, I had bangs at the time, like it's it not a good look. But yeah, no, I mean, I understand the phone number situation. Oh, it was, no. it was real. I think when like. Oh, like no. That was a thing,
1: when that's you know, not. I easy. don't have
0: that. Eugenie, what's your
3: area code? I don't know,
1: three four seven.
0: Three four seven. Oh.
3: But
1: like not. That a, seems like I don't a perfectly know. acceptable. Oh no, exam. you're
0: I don't, disapproving. I
1: don't, I don't, no, no, I don't
3: even know that. No, I don't know it <laughs> I don't. I really don't care. I'm just saying, like that's what happened to me because I just have nine seven number.
0: Um. I want to open up to the crowd. Does anyone have any questions? Anyone? Anyone? Yes, Fred right over there. Do so any of you recall a moment um, in the workspace when you were working with a
3: client, especially like long-term projects, where like you felt like uh,
2: the cultural difference or like the language barrier was getting in the way of you like producing
0: like the best work possible? Okay, I just want to repeat it for the microphone. So, was there ever a moment? in a workplace where the cultural difference made it harder to create the best work possible, yes? Right. How do you deal with that sort of situation,
3: especially when you have to like, stick to it and actually like, deliver, you know? Right. So one of uh, a retainer client that we had at our studio, um, she's a handbag designer in Zurich, and she, uh, her primary language is German, and mine is nothing for German, And uh, but I honestly, Like, at first when we started to work together, it was really difficult because the language barrier. But sometimes, honestly, I really recommend just to get on FaceTime or get on, especially if you can't meet them, some body language, some facial expressions, it's very universal. And like, ever since that, like, we solved it. Because before, I just don't understand any of the email that he writes and also, I'm dyslexic so I just don't understand what's going on but like now we can communicate because you know when you see each other and when you have body language to really communicate it just makes it a lot easier
2: yeah I feel like the productivity with all this technology we have like really hinders us sometimes more than the languages except for slack shout out to slack I don't know if anyone uses slack <laughs> in a house um, no okay <laughs> but um, yeah I feel like once you start Talking to somebody, and you. I also like to do as much research as possible. Like, I'll start speaking Spanish because, you know, we, we make jewelry in Mexico. Like, I I'll, i don't care. Duolingo, everyone. Um, you know, just I try to learn as much as possible, but I would also agree, like, FaceTime or phone conversation yeah. to start rather than email. I hate emails. I'm like the. Oh, and yeah. email I mean, like I, lo- I like emails, but. <laughs> yeah.
1: And there's like an etiquette, like, how do you how you write emails in different countries or how much you say or how um, caring you are. I feel like, I always say dear or something and I'm like, oh, what do they think, you know? um, So yeah, talking on the phone seems like at least, you know, people understand where you're coming from. Um.
0: Did that answer your question? Yeah, Cool. Anyone else? Um, um, Have you
2: ever been in a situation where it's just been you in a room where you're the only one different and you need to find that confidence to be like yourself
3: 100 percent. but you feel so small how do you overcome a situation where you allow yourself knowing that you are you have a voice and
0: that's worth listen. that's worth being heard can i just repeat that for the for the microphone so it let me know if i'm presenting this correctly so is, has there ever been a moment where you're in a room or a situation where you have felt small and you want to make yourself, make your presence known, um, and make sure that your voice is being heard? Am I am I presenting yeah, that correctly? That you're like the only one representing yourself,
2: like you're the only Asian or Lebanese or Latina or no situation. I mean, I I do feel at times, like, sometimes, besides from my nationality, I do feel like I'm the youngest person in the room, and sometimes it's so hard to be like, okay, like, this is what's cool, or this is what's this, you know, but I feel like you just, you can do your best, say what you have to say, um, you know back it up with you know research back it up with if people don't listen then maybe it's not the place for you but I you know sometimes you'll be the youngest person in the room with a nose ring and no one will be taking you seriously on top of that you're you're not from this country or, or something but I feel like you know you have to trudge through those moments and just realize like how important don't like ever let anyone tell you oh that's not good enough or you don't know what you're saying or any of that but I feel like you should just stick to you know what you want to say, or what you want to, what you're presenting eventually. at all times. And eventually, later, you. I've had people come to me like years later, been like, "Oh, that was actually a good idea. Can we use it now?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why would I let you use it now? You know what I mean? So.
1: You know what? Also, I feel like sometimes part of being the only one in the room is like you have no background. Like, sort of like everyone has this thing, and you're the only one that's different. And I feel like sometimes remembering where you come from and like what you've done and how many people know you and like you know even if it's (laughs) not not in terms of quantity but just like they know you they know what you've done they know how much experience you have or what you've learned and i feel like sometimes that makes you stand straight like all the people in your life um your um culture i feel like sometimes that's what we forget that we also have a lot of background it's not just everybody else and then you're different and there's like that in there
3: um oh sorry I'm so sorry. Go to Okay. I'm so sorry. Um, I just wanted to. I had one experience that I uh, took over from my previous boss uh, from a client. And I went to the client meeting, just zero eye contact. That person did not acknowledge the existence of me, even though I was going to carry on the project from now on. Um, I felt really awful for the first few seconds because I would introduce myself, no handshake, no eye contact, just completely like I was not there um, but sometimes I really felt that it's also important to remember at the end of the day your work it's the most important thing I know my shit so I have all the thing every single question that he it was he so he <laughs> thought that he's gonna you know take me down I have all the ten different possible ways to back it up so you know I just gained respect from him and then he became a really great <laughs> client and, because at the end of the day, it's really too easy to think about the difference that we have for each other and whatever, but we're here to make work. If the work is not good, who gives a fuck how different you are, you know? Okay. So if your work is fucking sick, then people are gonna shut the fuck up.
0: Yeah. Applause on that. Yeah. Yes?
1: Um. Since everybody is workaholics <laughs> up
2: here, the work-life personal balance is very important, but also like your family kind with like, so you have a social life with your family and then you have a social life outside of your family. How do you guys kind of navigate through that? That's my first question. And then also like work, work and then personal work.
0: So the question was about fa- uh, balance, work-life balance between personal time and family time. And then the second question was about work work. And so, personal like, work. I and mean, work work and personal so the, work. Oh, it, understood, what's yes. What's
2: the importance of having like, personal projects just for yourself? Not not anything that you're getting paid for, but just yeah. like.
0: Yeah. Personal projects. I think
2: that's like yeah. my biggest mistake in the last 10 years. I have no regrets about anything. But I'll have to say that uh, I stopped like doing things for myself. And, and number one, art. And I realized like in college, you're doing all, you know, this is your idea, it's, it's you're doing it, like the projects are solely from you. But then when you get so sucked into client work, it's like, all right, I have to make them happy. I have to do this for money. I have to do this to pay my rent. I have to, you know, I, I literally forgot about myself and I kind of like lost my style for a while. I kind of, you know, lost everything about it. And um, I, like I was telling you, this year I started painting again. And I was like, I really, this is so relaxing. I don't know why, but it's, like six hours away from people, painting on the weekend, doing something for yourself. You go to the gym, go to yoga, meditate. Um, I started doing that this year, and I'm a much happier person. Before that, no, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I, ju- I just was like work, 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 and I, I realized how how mu- how much stress that was putting onto me. So I'm you know if as soon as you can figure that out for yourself, what makes you happy, I feel like you should do it. Whether it's an hour, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, like. You know, just to like keep yourself creative, keep yourself inspired. Um, if you want to just draw something, do it for yourself. But um, you know, just don't get don't get suckered in. And then family's also super important. And it, it kind of like this year we, we like lost my my grandmother, so I realized how much smaller our family got and how much I have to be there for everybody. So now once a week at least I try to see my parents or try to see, you know, see my cousins or I went out with my cousin for the first time last week in like years and it was just so fun. You don't realize how important family is, especially when they're close. You should always call your mom. Um, My mom calls me every day. But uh, I feel, you know, if you can't see them, at least call them or FaceTime them. I mean,
3: I felt work to me, it's like my professional work helps me like, you know, stay alive or whatever. But um, my personal work, it was really like ther- therapy, you know, because I remember when I was working full-time, it was a great job, and but I still was burned out because at the end of the day, a job is a job, and then you have to deal with all the shit. And when I go home, I just have so much that I want to say that I, I couldn't really. And then I just put them, you know, make some bitchy posters and then put it out there with some, you know, that's the illustrations and just like, <laughs> cause at the end of the, like what Kelly said is like, what makes you happy is really, really, really important. And I would just, you know, go home. I have another, you and know.
2: social media is your audience. Yeah. Or and like, you know, if you want to put it out. <laughs>
3: yeah. And then, you know, I will have, you know, I get home at eight, I'll have probably three or four hours before I go to sleep. I would try to use, you know, an hour, half an hour, whatever, to make something just to make myself happy, so I would draw, like, literally dumb shit, like, dicks all the time <laughs> just to crack myself up because, I mean, if you go through my feed, there's a lot of penis um, and, by the way, I'm gay, just so you know um, um, and but that being said, it's really, really important, like, to find some sort of channel that make you know, yourself happy, like, unfortunately I don't see my parents, like, you know Not for another three or four years, but, like, you know, give them a call. Like, we we have long, 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 long calls.
1: Yeah. I mean, truthfully, you have to make time for it, right? Like, if you don't make the decision to make the time for it, then even if if it's supposed to make you happy, you won't do it until, you know, like, you have to to make the effort, Um, which is incredible. You have to make the effort to be happy, but sometimes, like, you will only find out after a few times, like, doing exercise or meditating or, you know even writing stuff that it's not going to go on social media or any job just writing what you're thinking um i think you really have to make space seeing your friends you have to make space it's not there's no gain in it especially in this city it feels like everything has to be for a gain um yeah. and Sometimes you forget. It's just you have to make the space. Like, you have to make space to eat. You have to make space to see your friends.
2: Don't sleep. Draw
3: penises. (laughs) I mean, like, I actually really encourage people to be occasionally more selfish about themselves because at the end of the day, you're here by yourself. This is going to sound really sad and mad or whatever, but, like, you know, you came here alone. You're going to go alone, but you have to take care of your own happiness because nobody
0: else is really going to do that for you. You know, just...
3: Take care of yourself, girl.
0: Yeah. You got this. <laughs> all right, guys. We have time for one more question. So make it a good one. Saw that hand first, so.
1: I was going to say, all of your work I've seen outside of the space is visually arresting, and I was just so amazed
3: when, as you
2: guys were all talking about it, right? But I was just curious for y'all, who do y'all follow? Oh. who do y'all as
0: oh. are you, think are setting the wave right now? So the, so the question was, who, who do our guests follow? Um, and, and like and who do they follow up and who's who's setting the trend so
2: um, I don't know i i I do love like lots of old souls and like old fine artists, and those are the people I really admire. Um, Mike Kelly, uh, you know, even dating back to louis Louis Bourgeois. Mm-hmm. Um, but for current people, I try not to let like current people. Oh, getting the
0: lights turned down on us. Real intimate right now.
2: Yeah, <laughs> continue. too. Um, no. I guess I try not to let current people uh, like affect me as much because I find myself comparing to them. You know, like oh, my work looks like that. My work looks like this. Like, I try to mostly look at old influences, like why I started designing. I went to SVA because Keith Haring got kicked out of it. Um, I, you know, like, Things like that really moved me more than, than current influence, but I do have a small creative circle within my friends that I think inspire me the most whether it be like my, my brother and, and his girlfriend is like my sister, she's a clothing designer. Um, I You know, we have friends who also design clothes. I feel like those people inspire me more, because if you get so caught up in the trends, you kind of just lose yourself. You're like, oh, I have to be like this, I have to yeah. make clothes like this, I have to make jewelry like this. It's always good to see your competition, but I try to like find out which books you love to read, or find out which movies you love the yeah. most, or which artists you it's love true. the most.
1: even, yeah. um, I think, the, um, what is that thing that makes us see different people in Instagram? Like The, 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 the explore page? No, oh, I mean, the algorithm? The algorithm. Yeah. I feel like it plays with us and it doesn't, chooses for us. And like, I think sometimes I just, I go to a bookstore and I see this, I find this book by chance, and then I see the artist, or yeah, you go to um, a museum and you find something, or even like these gallery spaces for new generations, yeah. like Society of Illustrators or the TDC, whatever, and you find someone just because you walked in and not because it appeared. Um, so I think that sort of balances it out as well. Um, I mean,
3: I personally are really just into being inspired by the internet itself because I felt like when some, you know, for example, the egg, right? The fucking egg that, you know, like even that for me, I was like, well, wow, whoever made this really First of all, I think that person works at Buzzfeed or you know one of those you know.
0: I don't know what the egg or is. Or a farm, but
3: yeah, a world record egg that you know the egg that broke Ow. Kylie yeah. Jenner's. Yeah, but yeah. Wait, it was no, like the no? most liked Nobody? egg. Okay, we know what the egg is, right? Yeah. So like, for ex- yeah, like I just felt like sometimes like like also like I love trashy pop music because I'm very fascinated about how can you make things that like can brainwash people like millions just brainwashed, right? Seven rings, anybody? Thank you, next. Uh, But, you know, like, I'm very interested in that because I feel I can learn something from that because I think there's something that we all mostly share common as humans, and, you know, I'm very fascinated by that.
2: I'm really into documentaries. I like to see, like, what, you know, mostly about artists. Uh, I like to see what they did before social media why they were so popular. Also, yeah, it's just, you know, what made this person a phenomenon Mm -hmm. rather than... Because the internet, I don't know, Instagram is just a facade. It's like not really who you are. It's like, all right, I'm posting this. I know that's going to represent me for 24 hours. But, you know, like deep down inside, it's not really you. And when you meet somebody, you know, who has a million something followers, they might not be able to do a talk like this or something Mm -hmm. like that. So I feel like don't, I don't know. Instagram is cool. I love it. It's great to speak to your audience. It's great to post your work and see everything. But I wouldn't say if like anyone I follow is like, oh, I really, I admire them right now. But mostly, mostly just history and stories. Like, I, Michelangelo is one of my favorite artists. Is he alive? No. Yeah. But um, I just think, it, like, how did he do all of that work? I have no idea. Is it true? Yeah. I don't know, but, you know, it's, it depends. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. Thank you all for being here. So, thanks for listening, everybody. That was First Generation Burden. Very special episode. First Generation Conversation. It was pretty historic and fun. Really emotional, for sure. And uh, definitely stressful to put on. But oh my God, it was so much fun. Uh, I just want to thank again Eugenia Mello. You can find her at E U M I A L. Kelly Shammy. Uh, you can find her at kelly s-h-a-m-i and also go to shammy official dot com to find out uh, about all her uh, amazing um jewelry and pieces and the really beautiful i uh, own a couple pieces uh, and also Japangju uh at zz design and that's uh, their they're all their social media handles And also, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher now, uh, and SoundCloud, or wherever you get podcasts. Also, make sure to go check us out at firstgenburden.com. That's the website archive uh, where you can find all the episodes. Uh, We're also active on Instagram now, too, so just go to firstgenburden, at firstgenburden, at Instagram. And you can find me, uh, your host, uh, at Rich. Underscore Tu. That's R I C H underscore Tu. Uh, and again, I just want to thank A I G A New York uh, for all their generosity, their time, their energy, purpose. Again, for their generosity and their space, it was it was a great place to to hold this event. And of course, Des Gin uh, and that and Andrew Maruska's team. Um, so thank you everybody for coming out as well. Um, We'd be nothing if not for uh, for for you guys and so Ben sounds on music of course um there's a full season four coming very very soon um I probably one more special drop before then but otherwise just preparing for the continuous drop and barrage of content that's coming up so thanks for listening
2: everybody uh, and be safe bye